0: mindfulness mode 150
1: being able to meet people who are happy with what they're doing helping people to kind of accomplish what they want to do
0: reach new heights of calm focus and happiness on mindfulness mode with me your host and mindfulness life coach bruce langford on mindfulness mode i talk with people from all walks of life to discover the many ways mindfulness has impacted their lives Last time, I talked with Andrea Klunder. She talked about breathing and becoming aware. She trained to be an opera singer, and she teaches meditation, and she's also a yoga instructor. If you haven't heard Andrea's episode, check out number 149. I think you'll be really glad you did. On the weekend, I went to a men's event in Toronto. It was so Fantastic! It was held by Javon Langford. Same last name as me, but no, no relation. Javon is amazing. He's got a great way of connecting. And there were ten men there, and we all opened up and were vulnerable and shared and learned and and grew. And it was really a a very impactful weekend where you know we thought about like what is influencing us in our lives what is holding us back what what could we do if nothing was holding us back and there were so many personal discoveries that I had as I just thought through this process and shared with other men and this afternoon I shared with one of the guys we met here in my city, London, Ontario, and just sat down at a Starbucks and talked and, you know, what has been going through our mind in the week since the Elevation Effect event. And it was just really helpful to sit with another guy and talk about this stuff. And, you know, part of it is mindfulness. Part of it is just being aware, you know, what is holding you back? What could I be achieving if nothing was holding me back? and. Just, I I find I learn a lot of this from journaling. So this was a really impactful weekend. And I'm also excited to tell you that today on my show, I have Amy J. She has a real passion for dreams and she truly wants to hear about your dreams. And you'll find this out on the show. I feel such a connection exists between mindfulness and dreams. You won't want to miss this episode today with Amy J. So just get ready and sit back and enjoy the episode with Amy. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get going. I'm totally excited to have Amy J on the line today. Hey, Amy, are you in mindfulness mode?
1: Hey, Bruce, mindfulness mode activated.
0: <laughs> Amy J is a software developer, podcaster, speaker, and chief dream chaser on the Chasing Dreams podcast. Amy began podcasting in 2013 and has launched multiple podcasts, including Revisiting Haven, which discusses the TV show Haven. This project took Amy to Nova Scotia, Canada, to interview the cast and staff of Haven on location with her latest podcast, chasing dreams amy is working to inspire and motivate people to chase their own dreams amy believes that it's important to live without regret and as such you need to make moves take a chance and chase your dreams so amy i know you're chasing your dreams how are you doing anyway
1: i'm doing very well thanks for asking it's a it's a little cloudy here in philly today but uh been a great day
0: Well, it's been a great day here in London, Ontario as well. And so, Amy, I want to start off with this. Uh, Exactly what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: It's awareness. I think for for me, one of the things I try to do is be aware. And it's not just aware of uh, what's going on, but aware of yourself, aware of your state of being, aware of your circumstances, aware of what is happening, and that by being mindful, to yourself, you're also mindful to others. It's kind of something that transfers to how you relate or act with someone else. And so I've always, maybe not consciously called it mindfulness, but I've always tried to be mindful. And it just kind of uh, transfers over into how you start treating people. And you become mindful, not just of yourself, but mindful of your surroundings, those who you work with, who you interact with, your friends, your family, Uh, whatever the circumstance may be. And while it's a simple and not often thought about thing explicitly, like I'm going to sit here and be mindful. It's something I think people do uh, subconsciously.
0: I really think you're right. I, I really agree. And I love how you said being mindful to yourself and then you'll be mindful of others. And I think a lot of times we start with the other. We, we think, oh, yeah, I need to treat others with respect, which, of course, is true. But you have to be really aware of the, the language you're doing with yourself, the inner language, and make sure that you're being positive and upbeat and encouraging people to yourself. So you and I are totally on the same page with that. So tell us some of the things that you're doing. I know that you're working on your podcast, which is exciting, but what else have you got going, Amy?
1: Depending on who you ask, I may actually have too many things going. Um, So I, the the thing I'm most known for is the podcast, which I have a ton of fun with meeting wonderful people uh, and talking to them, having conversations and just using their stories to help inspire others. So that's that's something I do as a secondary in the sense that I, I have a day job. I am a contract manager with a company where I negotiate, write contracts, and, and it's the people interaction I enjoy there. So mm-hmm. I do that by day. I do the podcast at night. I also have a mobile software company where um, we develop apps. So we've done two, and then... Those, those are my focus, the podcast being the, my most favored and time sensitive one, because I try to put it in as, as much time as I can. But, you know, after you come from a long day, it can be very difficult to find time. So evenings and weekends are prime chasing dream time.
0: Well, they really are. Yeah, for sure. And so I want to ask you about your podcasting because I know you've done quite a bit of it with different shows. Mm -hmm. Do you find that things have really evolved with the way you are interacting with your guests as as far as being in the moment? And I mean, when you're a podcaster, there's so much to think about. There's the technology, you know, is it recording properly? Is everything set up? Do you have questions ready and all that kind of thing? And I know it can be a little bit crazy as you're doing all that. Do you find yourself being able to easily focus on the other person?
1: Yes. So for good or bad, um, I've been podcasting since 2013, which I think will actually three years uh, mm-hmm. about that, that I've been doing it. And initially it was just me, myself and I in, mm-hmm. in a podcast. And then I, I started the Haven podcast where I had a, a co-host and we had, we, it would just be us talking about the episode. And then we slowly started integrating interviews. And this was before I did a chasing dream kind of interviews. So I got the sense of working with a host and a guest. And so at that point, when you have so many people in the pot, so to speak, you mm-hmm. want to be a little coordinated. So my co-host and I would put questions together for that guest. Mm-hmm. And I find that, When you do that, there's a little bit more structure. It's a lot easier to get through, admittedly. But I made a conscious decision when I did Chasing Dreams to not do that, which seems dumb in the sense that I see (laughs) that preparing, I, I just went ahead and said that preparing questions, you know, makes it easier and makes more sense. The reason I don't do that with Chasing Dreams, and I try not to, I give, just as you do with your guests, you know, kind of give them a sense of what the interview will be like, the questions that they could expect. Sure. I don't specifically put a question out there. I don't prepare. I, there are some that I will put a question or two. I want to make sure I ask, Mm -hmm. but the reason I don't is I want the, the interview to be, I want it to be shaped by the answers of the guest and their story. So what I try to do is understand who the guest is, what they're doing and what their actual dream is, and then have a conversation conversation with them in such a way that the audience will discover them.
0: Right. That makes sense. And so what's your dream, Amy?
1: You know, it's really funny you asked that. Um, Just the other day, my dad was like, hey, I listened to your your podcast. It was great. You know, and so you're helping all these people chase your dreams. What's your dream? And I was like, really? (laughs) You don't know? My dream is actually to help others be happy. I... I, I'm happy when I help others. So doing the podcast, that is my dream. Being able to meet people who are happy with what they're doing, helping people to kind of accomplish what they want to do, which mm-hmm. my dad was like, really, that's, that's your dream? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I guess it makes sense then. You're, you are working on it. I'm like, I am. This is, this is what I enjoy doing. I don't have a set goal like, you know, to make it to the Olympics or to be the number one podcast in... You know, personal stories or anything like that. For me, when I get an email or a comment or a rating or review from someone who says, Hey, I love your podcast. It's helping me do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Or so-and-so's story really motivated me. That's I get I love that. I do. I enjoy it. So that's what I want to do. I wanna, you know, in my mobile apps and things I do for software or even the podcast. I always want to make sure it can help someone, regardless of how simple it is. Even when I did the Haven podcast, people enjoyed it uh, because they could meet the writers. They got to meet the cast or crew. There was transcripts and quotes, you know, that people love being able to go back to. So for me, helping is, is something that I've always loved doing. For good or bad, that's what I enjoy doing. So I'm actually doing my dream by helping others. At this time, it's in the form of a podcast. In the future, what I'd love to be able to do and what I'm trying to do for the the one year anniversary of the podcast is to put together a symposium, a summit, a conference or something where I can help more people at once by getting speakers to talk about things that dreamers should be doing. And so that's kind of an evolution of how I can help, how my dream is changing in a sense.
0: Right. And I'm sure you'll do it, too. I'm really curious about this, Amy. A lot of us have dreams and we keep working toward those dreams. But what do you say to the person that says, Amy, I've never been able to figure out what that thing is in my life that I really want to do. I've never been able to figure my dream out. How do you get to the bottom of it with people like that?
1: That's a very good question because sometimes they don't know it themselves. And that's right. It's, it's one or two things. They don't know it themselves or they haven't given themselves a chance to, to answer that question. You know, and sometimes we're so busy in the day to day activities that we don't give ourselves time to think about us. And so, the person for the dreamer that doesn't know what they want to do, I I try not to stress them out. One, it's okay not to know. Mm -hmm. The thing is, dreams come in different forms, shapes, and and sizes, so to speak. So I would ask them, what makes you happy? Let's start with that. You know, what makes you happy? What would you love to do? And then, you know, not to be morbid, but if tomorrow was the last day you had, all you have is 24 hours, what is it that you would want to do so that you could say, I don't have any regrets? And then let's see what the correlation is. Let's see what, how the two cross and how the two come together. Uh, Recently, I have someone I know who is young in their 30s and and had a life-changing news presented to them. Mm -hmm. And in such a way that You know, they were they were devastated naturally and they were trying to figure out, you know, I wish I could have done X. And so, you know, thankfully, uh, the news turned around, but she's working on that X now, you know, and nobody should have to wait till they get something that, you know, is life altering before they start going for X.
0: No, and I think that's the cool thing about mindfulness. I think mm-hmm. it helps people get in touch with their true feelings, what they really want in their lives and what they don't want in their lives as well. I think that mindfulness increases our own awareness. Has that done that for you, Amy?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think mindfulness is, and I mentioned, I think when, I, when you asked me what mindfulness is to me, is that it's a very subconscious thing. Yes. I am... I will, I will be the last person to tell you, but a lot of my, my friends will tell me that, you know, I do all these things for other people, but what about me? Mm-hmm. And it's when, the, my, I forget which friend told me the first time, that I started to think to myself, you know, that's a good point. If I don't start taking care of myself or being mindful of myself, how can I help someone else? And right. I, I noticed a change in the sense of that. You know, um, I've had a very busy life. I was a computer engineer, came out Mm -hmm. with a BS in computer science and a master's. I worked for NASA Goddard for a bit, uh, seven years. And then Mm -hmm. I went to law school and I went to law school with my twin sister and we had a lovely time. And I was a lawyer. And, you know, as I went from computer engineer to lawyer, there was a point where I said, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling challenged. I'm not, fe- I know was like, you worked at NASA. How are you not feeling challenged? <laughs> you know, there are some, t- some things, this is not a reflection of NASA, but there are some things that you end up doing that you kind of question. Sure. And at that time, I was. I took some time and I said, you know what? My sister was um, leaving a PhD, uh, she was leaving, who was she? Stony Brook University. And she was going to get her master's and go to law school because she wanted to do that. She always knew that. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not really really happy at the moment with what I'm doing. I I love the fact that I know computer engineering, I know computers, but I'm not happy. So what does that mean? And I thought, you know, at the time, and it's a lie guys, what I'm about to say is a lie. You know, people said that law school, when you go there, you know, anybody would take you for anything. You, You end up coming out feeling like you could handle any kind of problem or adversity thrown at you. You could get any job because- You went to law school. You were a lawyer. It trains you for that. That's not true. Mm. Don't go into six-figure debt for that. Really think if you want to go to law school. I don't regret going to law school. I think everything happens for a reason. I did learn a lot, and I use everything I learned today, even in my day job, my second job, uh, the podcast. I use it everywhere. Um, But I had to take that time to think about what I wanted to do, and I thought, you know, law school will help me at least be trained to figure out what I want to do. And it did, it did. But it still took me some time to be truthful with myself about what I wanted to do, which is help others. And I couldn't figure out how to do that. And I kept trying different things. And so I never regretted any of my decisions or anything I was doing because I'd always find a new way to try something. So I was always chasing my dream. I just was never sure what form it was coming in.
0: Right. Right. Well, I've always wondered, you know, as a lawyer, does mindfulness look different? I mean, you must really have to be in the present much of the time when you're when you're working on cases or whatever. But what do you think when you became a lawyer? Did did things look different to you?
1: Bruce, have you ever heard the uh, saying or or ever experienced the thing where people like, you know, you never see a Toyota, a blue Toyota Camry? You never see it. And then suddenly you see one and it's all over the place.
0: They're everywhere. Right? You
1: ever experienced that?
0: Yes, I have.
1: When you go to law school and you take that first class or that first semester and you get through it, nothing is the same. You know, I don't look at TV shows the same way. I don't look at conversations I have with people the same way. Um, Something happened recently. Oh, you know, there was this uh, Pokemon video. You know, mm-hmm. Pokemon Go, I guess, is the big thing right yes, now. Yes, it is. And someone put together a video of uh, Pokemon's Revenge, where, pe- where grown men were dressed up as Pikachu with these <laughs> large Pokeballs, and they would get out of the van and they would throw it at people. You know, just like you know, in in the game, I guess, yes. capture the Pokeball,
0: right? Right. Of course.
1: So that's that's the thing, and and I'm looking at this and. I'm sure everyone's like, this is hilarious. It's great, look at that. These people came together and they put this together. And all I could see as this was playing out was, that's assault,
0: uh,
1: that is that is assault. He did not want that, he did not want that contact. You, all, all you're doing here is, and that's all that went through my head. I couldn't watch it the same way. Right. Right. I, I know that these people didn't mean anything malicious, uh, most likely, right? But. I couldn't view it in the same way other people probably were. And that's the effect law school has on people. You can't necessarily turn it on and off, unfortunately.
0: Right. Well, it's really interesting to hear you explain it that way, because I, I always wondered if it would change your outlook, and obviously the answer is yes. Amy, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I've seen how mindfulness can really make a huge difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied and how they look at a situation. And I'm wondering, Amy, do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference?
1: I have to say, I was, I've been very blessed in that I have not been bullied personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I acknowledge that I am very blessed in that sense. A friend of mine recently was bullied online, uh, which, you know, you would refer to as uh, cyberbullying. Yes. And I think it was a situation where mindfulness would absolutely have been helpful in the sense that this was... Um, this was a situation where one person felt one specific way about Mm -hmm. a situation and the other person, you know, had innocent intentions. You know, there was nothing, uh, nothing hostile or negative towards it. However, uh, let's go with, uh, John and we'll Mm -hmm. go with Tom. So Tom is my friend. John is the, uh, other individual. So, uh, Tom is is tweeting and, you know, just talking about an experience he had about a specific subject. And John, you know, with Twitter, you can always see something, right? So they're not friends directly, but they, I guess, look at the same hashtag. And so John sees Tom's tweets and then he starts expressing his opinion to Tom. Mm -hmm. And Tom's just saying, you know, he's not directly involved in the situation. So he's just expressing his outside knowledge of what's happening. And John is someone who has direct knowledge John wasn't intent—his intent wasn't, if you look at the the string of tweets, wasn't to educate, but more to berate or yeah. uh, diminish Tom's feelings. Right. You know, and, and, and it was sad. And I was not made aware of the situation until after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that would have changed anything. But, you know, Tom uh, felt bad. He, he absolutely did. He just— you know, felt like someone was attacking him and he had no malicious malicious intent about talking about this subject. He was an outside party, but he has the utmost support for this uh, topic. And so when John kept uh, going after him, you know, uh, unfortunately there was no thought, you know, if, if John had been more mindful about the situation, he probably should have and could have taken the opportunity to educate. Right. And inspire, right. you know, uh, Tom, to a new way of thinking or, you know, correct him in his way. Where, whereas what he did was just say, you know, you should know more about this or you shouldn't speak because you're not in the situation. Right. So I think mindfulness in that kind of a situation on both parties, right? So Tom as well, probably maybe could have uh, acknowledged his weaknesses in the area and said, you know, I'm trying to learn more and maybe started a dialogue, but it's hard. And I, I don't, I don't um, downplay what Tom was, or how he responded. Because, you know, when you're in that situation, you just kind of have it. You kind of react, of course. Yes. But I think yes. mindfulness in that situation for either party could have changed the conversation. And what was a bullied situation could have been a more productive thing. And Twitter is a very open public place unless you have a private account. But because of that, it could people who are checking that hashtag could have been educated, right? Instead they come and they see this negative thing and they either step away or, you know, are, are watching this like a, an accident. And so mindfulness is a very powerful thing because it could have changed one situation, which may not seem like a big deal between two strangers on the internet, but because of the, how the internet works, it could have had a lasting impact. Yes. Right. And, yes, and ripple could. effect around the world.
0: Yeah, that that's a great story. It really could have made a big difference if it had been done differently. We haven't talked about meditation and I know different people meditate in different ways. Is meditation part of your life, Amy? And if it is, can you explain to us what your meditation looks like?
1: My dad is more of the meditator in my family. Um, he came into yoga mm-hmm. recently and my dad has a heart condition. And so, uh, yoga was uh, recommended to him as something that could help him and in yoga, you know, mindfulness is a big thing it's a big part of it and so yes. he he utilizes that in the mornings and, and it's wonderful and has done great things for him for me personally I don't have a specific or your typical mindfulness nature I try to take some time at the in the morning when I wake mm-hmm. up before I get out of bed I try to take a few minutes to just kind of see how the day before went. Mm -hmm. Think about what the day ahead is going to look like and tell myself, what is it that has to get done? What is it that I would be okay with if I don't meet the goal of, you know, so Mm -hmm. to speak? And what is going on? You know, let me take account of my life at this moment and what should I be more aware of? What should I be more mindful of? And what am I okay with? So it's kind of like a, I take a few minutes to kind of take stock of what's going on in Amy's life, so to speak. And at the end of the day, I do something similar.
0: Now, that's that's a good practice. And then at the end of the day, you do that and then you kind of think about what's up for the next day. Then it sort of keeps you on track for each day, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it can whether whether I do it or do not, I, I try to do it more. I think I do notice a difference in how I approach the day right instead of being rushed because i think you know there's so many things going on i have work and then i have an interview at 7 i have to talk to someone at 8 you know and and because i didn't take that moment to set myself up and it with my ex- expectations i'm very big on you know set the expectations appropriately sure when i don't take that time in the morning to do that everything seems like it's being thrown at me right right and it can stress you out or make you feel overwhelmed But if I take that time to do it and I'm like, okay, you have a long day ahead, Amy. You have back to back to back with like a half hour, maybe grab some dinner, downtime. It's it's amazing how different my approach is to the day when I have that time.
0: Right. Amy, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? My dad. I thought you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I thought so for sure. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Amy?
1: Uh, It's what we said earlier. So it it sets my mindset for the day. It can either bring it, it can settle it or by not doing it, be anxious.
0: So tell how tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice.
1: It's a good thing to do on a day to day basis. I hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a, really a particular is. thing. I, I do when overwhelmed, take some time to just take deep breaths and let it out. Right. I don't do it in public. Like I'll step to the side and just be like, okay, in, hurry it right out, and then take. It, it's also kind of giving myself time to reset.
0: Well, cool. for sure. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be?
1: So this is going to seem weird, but I, I do believe it's good for anyone. It's uh, Creating Magic by Lee Cockerell. Uh, he was a VP for Disney. It, wonderful book on leadership. However, I recommend it for anyone because I think the principles inside are good for anybody, regardless of what you are doing.
0: Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful?
1: Any kind of to-do list. So Wonderlist or Things, those are two different productivity apps that kind of list what you have to use for the day. Uh, Fantastical is a great calendar app that also has a to-do list embedded in it. So I use Fantastical at the moment, but it really depends on your needs at the time.
0: So what advice would you give a person who is new to this whole idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life?
1: Take it one moment at a time, meaning reflect upon yourself. Don't try to take on the whole world. Don't try to take on more than you should. Start with something simple. Start with something you know. Try being mindful of yourself. What is your state of being? What is your world like at that moment? And then go from there.
0: Great advice. Amy, it's been really fantastic to get a chance to talk with you. Can you share with Mindful Tribe how we can learn more about what you do and connect with you?
1: Absolutely. I would love to connect with you, with you guys on social media. I'm at J 21 That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1 on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Facebook, it's official.amyj21. And you can find me also at chasingdreamshq.com where the podcast is and um, some resources.
0: That is great. Thank you so much. I'm really intrigued with everything you're doing in your life. And I know you are helping so many people and improving their lives. So thanks again for being part of Mindfulness Mode today, Amy.
1: Well, thank you for having me on, Bruce. I love the conversation. I love what you're doing and wish you all the best.
0: Thank you very much. You take care Amy. Bye now.